0: Hello and welcome to the Tech Team podcast from the technology team at Cancer Research UK. I'm Graham.
1: And I'm Eleanor. We've started this podcast to help tell the story of what we do at Cancer Research UK in the hope that other charities and people who are interested in technology will find it helpful or interesting to hear about our experiences.
0: And this episode is a first for the podcast as we're joined by our first external guest, Christina Cornwall, who is the director of the Health Lab at Nesta. Christina is joining us today to talk about some of the work Nesta are doing on innovation and on tech for good. And she'll be sharing some tips for any Charities and organisations who are looking to do more in these areas. Hi, Christina, and welcome to Cancer Research UK. Hi. To start us off, could you give us a little bit of background to yourself and and how you got to your current role at Nesta, please?
2: Yeah, sure. I've been working at Nesta for nearly three years now, and um, so I guess I'm relatively new still to the innovation world. But I've been working in health and care for almost 20 years, so I'm I'm pretty seasoned in the health and care system. Um, I spent quite a lot of my career actually in regulation, and um, most recently I was Head of Strategy at the Care Quality Commission, and I've also worked in government at the Department of Health and in frontline services in the UK and in Australia. So I've kind of had a chance to see the health system from multiple perspectives, and I think I've always really had an interest in new ideas, the power of co-production and experimentation, And I definitely share Nesta's sense of possibility and optimism. So um, when I saw the job come up, it felt like a pretty natural fit, really. Uh, So we're gonna touch on some of that in a bit more detail uh,
0: further down the line. But just to start with, could you tell us what Nesta is, uh, what kind of an organization it is, and and a bit more about the health lab that that you lead up?
2: Yeah, so Nesta is an innovation foundation. We're a charity that has been set up to bring bold ideas to life, to change the world for the better. Um, We work across multiple priority fields that include health, education, the creative economy, and we've lots of specialist methods teams like Nesta Challenges and our Collective Intelligence Design Um, Centre. HealthLab is the team in Nesta that leads most of our health innovation work. So for 10 years or so, we've been championing a vision of people-powered health. It's the idea that the best ideas emerge when citizens and communities and where relevant for online staff are engaged in the innovation process and when solutions are developed and delivered with them and by empowering citizens and communities to feel much more in control of their health and their well-being. We've supported dozens of brilliant social and digital innovations over this time, and we've carried out what we call 100-day challenges in more than 40 areas across the UK. It's a um, structured innovation method that combines coaching support and enables frontline teams and people who use services to collaborate and rapidly experiment with new ways of working.
1: What are some innovative products and services that Nesta and the Health Lab have helped to implement that our listeners might have heard of?
2: We've supported dozens and dozens over the years, but I guess there's a couple that I think are particularly relevant to this conversation. Um, A couple of organisations that we've been supporting in Health Lab for sort of eight or nine years now. And they're Good Jim and Good Sam, both of which use technology in really brilliant ways to maximise their reach and impact mobilising volunteers and connecting people for social good while maintaining a really lean organisation. So Good Gym is a community of runners who work to reduce isolation amongst older people and bring communities together. We've been supporting them pretty much since the beginning of their journey um, when they started out quite near here in East London and now they're active in more than 50 places across the UK. Every week they organise runs for groups of people to go and take part in a community project. It might be... um, replanting a community garden or helping out at a local food bank. And they also organised paired runs to help older people with one-off tasks to help them get their independence back.
1: I've actually been on a good yeah. gym so a yeah, run. Yeah, yeah. yeah it like was cool. great. Yeah, really yeah. good. They ran very fast, but it was super fun. We went to a local garden and helped them to clear up their yeah. garden and then run back. Their sense of community was brilliant. Yeah, oh, it was brilliant. good. I
0: went to the one in Brixton um, over Christmas a year or two ago, and we did a run and then helped out at the local food bank in Vauxhall
2: and then ran back to Brixton as well.
1: What's the digital angle there?
2: So, they've got a really fantastic digital platform that they have been developing over a number of years, and they had help from Facebook and, and others to develop it, and it enables them to connect the volunteers. With referral organisations locally, and make a really efficient process. So as soon as they've got, for example, particularly with connecting with older people, as soon as they've been um, given a referral from Age UK or another partner at a local level, they can they can put that on their website, and people can the the volunteers can sort of automatically register to do that run. So it makes it a really efficient process. The other one I was going to mention was GoodSAM, which is a app that integrates with ambulances' um, dispatch systems. So it alerts first aid trained volunteers... As soon as there's been a call, which suggests that someone might be in cardiac arrest. So it it lets them know um, that the incident's happened. It tells them where the nearest defibrillator is. And it enables them to get to the person at those kind of critical minutes, often before an ambulance can get there, which can make all the difference between life and death. And they're they an amazing organisation, they're incredibly small, but they're now on a path to be integrated with every ambulance trust in the country, they're in Australia, and a number of other places around the world. And they've developed a really innovative new approach that enables emergency services to tap into anybody's mobile phone to do video triage at the scene of an incident, which is just incredible. helps them to decide whether or not they should send a helicopter, for example, or, or send the team. Um, so they're really exciting. I'd, I'd recommend that any of your listeners check them out and volunteer if they can.
1: As an innovation foundation, what tools, techniques, processes did Nesta use to quickly test ideas to find out which ones are going to be the next big one?
2: Well, we're always on the lookout for new innovation methods, and we've recently done quite a lot of work to try and codify lots of the methods we use and to publish them. So there's there's a bunch of toolkits and explainer videos and things on our website that people can look at. Um, it covers lots of things like um, prototyping methods or accelerators and, and of course challenge prizes that we're going to be talking about today. We run lots and lots of early stage innovation programs, um, which are a really great way of finding out what ideas are out there and sort of to develop kind of knowledge and learning about a particular field of innovation. So sometimes we'll run programmes that are really exploring particular types of innovations, like social action, for example, or citizen facing technologies. Or we might run um, programmes in particular opportunity areas like how to support an ageing population, for example. We also run lots of experiments, so the 100-day challenges I mentioned, which um, involve lots of cycles of rapid testing with local teams and kind of evaluating and iterating those to kind of see what works. And we've run lots of programmes with governments all over the world, helping them to develop more experimental approaches to um, policymaking.
1: Mm, interesting. So I'm part of the innovation team here at Cancer Research UK and it sounds like there's some definite crossovers there in the ways of working. We're definitely all about experimentation, running quick tests to see whether things work and iterating rather than spending a long time trying to perfect something and instead getting it in front of the users as quickly as possible. So there's some definitely some similarities there.
0: And would you use like sounding boards or... Different panels to speak to users, to talk them through different ideas to, for, for which you can kind of try to get some kind of priority.
2: Yeah. So, um, I mean, we've actually been doing quite a lot of work around participatory futures. So experimenting with different methods to engage the public in... Yeah different types of deliberations or even in, in sort of new democracy. Um, we're actually running a programme at the moment um, with the Scottish government where we're about to embark on a whole load of what we're calling data dialogues. So finding out more about what Scottish people think about data sharing and the value of sharing data and, and the, the trust and transparency issues. And we're working with a bunch of different organisations who are trialling different approaches. So we've got a sort of immersive theatre experience, some online games and um, some pop-up installations in 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 the high street. So lots of different approaches and ways of trying to engage with the public. Yeah.
1: And how do you measure success?
2: That's a good question. And evidence is really very much part of our DNA, I guess, at Nesta. But it's not always straightforward, as, as I'm sure you know. We tend to always support innovators to develop a really clear theory of change and to try and think about how they can identify and embed Evaluation measures, sort of right from the very start of their journey. And where relevant, when we're supporting organisations to scale, we'll encourage them to sort of increase the rigour of their approaches. So we'll often get them to commission in, in, in sort of independent external evaluation. And, and where possible, we'll encourage them to try and get control level data as well. Um, so we've supported quite a few RCTs over the time, particularly in our international work, but we're also really interested in much more qualitative approaches that really sort of tap into the things that really matter to people. Several of our grantees are experimenting with sort of more participatory approaches and measures that have been co-produced with the people that they're supporting. We've also just published a blog by Alex Smith, who's founder of The Cares Family, which is a group of community networks um, connecting older and younger neighbours in inner cities. And he's calling for a sea change in the way that we measure community work and connections. So less bean counting and sort of deficit-based surveys and much more sort of storytelling and focusing on what really matters to people and what's kind of strong in our communities.
1: Mm, So there's quite a variety there. It sounds like you're saying you're comfortable encouraging people at the beginning of their innovations not to measure too much, but that as those ideas build to measure more and that those measures might be very much more qualitative than... um, we might expect.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it has to be proportionate and it has to be meaningful for the nature of the innovation. Um, you know, so actually, one of our programs is supporting social movements, for example, and it is actually really important for social movements to have a sense of what they're trying to achieve and how they might measure success. Um, but it needs a different sort of approach than. A technology might, or or indeed where we're supporting organisations that want to scale their model across the country. So something like um, Shared Lives Plus, which is supporting the scaling of um, shared lives, which is where people share their homes with somebody that might have a disability or an older person that wants that friendship and support in a sort of more of a homely way. They've done some really um, extensive cost-to-benefit analyses, and they're registered with the CQC. And, you know, for them, it's really important that they can really demonstrate impact. It sounds like as you have a similar approach
1: to the way that we are aiming to do innovation at Cancer Research UK. Quick experimentation, really listening to what the users need and building from that and, yeah, only measuring things that are meaningful rather than having lots of whole bank of dashboards that isn't really um, telling you much. We build on lots of traditionally, like, digital um, ways of doing that, so using user experience tools like user research and guerrilla testing. We do prototyping as well. I'm
0: not as close to the innovation side and testing, like, brand new ideas, but in terms of the metrics... I worked on a recent uh, project where I think it was integral to the success that the metrics that we were going to be looking at were included in like quite early on in the planning phase, if not the idea idea validation phase, then definitely in the planning phase for it. So we were looking at will it be adopted by the users? Is it going to be usable for them? And a a whole string of metrics around that. But then also in terms of um, is it viable as well? So if if this project was to pass its um, pass its pilot phase like and and go into BAU then then, then is it you know, is it do we have the resources to not just continue that but also to like extend it and scale it out into different areas as well. And I'll I'll touch a bit more on that a bit later on. So Christine you've mentioned that you've worked both Obviously with Nesta, but then also in the past with the healthcare sector as well, like primarily. Uh, I was just wondering what are the similarities and differences um, between growing new ideas inside the charity sector compared to the the wider healthcare sector and what your different perspectives are in that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there are brilliant ideas everywhere, but there are challenges in growing those ideas everywhere too and some of those are similar between the two sectors but some of them are different um, since i've been at nesta i've i've seen that some of the boldest and most exciting innovations have come from the community and voluntary sector often very tiny organisations with a really powerful mission who are quite instinctive co-producers and innovators. They may not always use those terms, but it's in their DNA to keep listening and coming up with new ideas. It's kind of how they have to survive. But it's challenging because many of them don't have a lot of resources to develop those ideas or to sustain and spread them. And many of them don't want to grow, actually, because they're so deeply rooted in their local communities. But that leaves this huge amount of untapped potential, these fantastic ideas that are happening in a small place um, that could really benefit lots more people, but those ideas aren't being shared and and spread more widely. In contrast, the healthcare sector, particularly the NHS, has got quite a lot of funding and infrastructure to support innovation, but it doesn't really share that same culture um, and finds it just as hard to spread ideas. Um, We actually ran a survey with the Nursing Times last year that found that 9 out of 10 nurses said that they had an idea about ways to improve the service they work in. But less than 40% of them felt that they were supported to even come forward with the idea, let alone try it out in practice. I think this partly reflects the sort of very hierarchical nature of the NHS, but also reflects the pressures that are on staff in terms of time and resources. Similar pressures that people feel in the charity and sector, of course, as well. And the NHS is actually notoriously bad at scaling new ideas, even when there's pretty compelling evidence to support a new idea. And I think there's lots of things going on there. It's it's partly about time and resources. There's also a bit of, well, it wasn't invented here, that that sort of culture going on. But also there's a kind of real lack of attention to implementation science and behavioural science and really understanding you know What's going on in the wider context? How do you actually build buy-in for a new idea and get people to feel a sense of ownership over it? And how do you kind of rapidly test and evaluate them in a new place so that actually people get a sense of confidence about it and can see that it's going to work in their context? I think all of that is magnified in the social care sector, which has got very little infrastructure support to generate, test, evaluate or spread ideas and is a, is a real
0: area of need. And have you seen that the link between Nesta and the healthcare sector has helped to break down some of those barriers that you can clearly see on both sides?
2: Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, particularly the 100-day challenges that I mentioned earlier. So with those, we work in frontline systems and we work with people in the NHS, frontline staff in the NHS, in social care, in the community and voluntary sector, and often people with lived experience as well. And and increasingly with people beyond the health sector, so in local government, in housing, sort of tackling sort of more social determinants of health and and wider things. And it's a really rapid innovation method, which very quickly gets people to feel a sense of trust and a sense of collaboration and shared ownership over a particular problem. And really quickly, they come up with like fantastic new ideas about how they can improve things for people and put those things into practice. And it definitely is a way of helping to break down some of those kind of cultural and structural barriers between yeah. sectors. So it seems to give people a bit more empower- empowerment to come up with ideas as yeah, well. Yeah, definitely.
1: Cool. mm that's interesting when I compare it to Cancer Research UK and I'd agree with you there's ideas right across the business everybody has them as they're doing their day-to-day job and part of the challenge is how do you create the environment where how do you create the environment where those ideas can be evolved and scaled and that yeah is partly culture and it's partly people having the tools and the time to be able to do that equally as being part of the innovation team we have that time and ability um, to potentially come up with ideas and scale them. But some, some, then sometimes the challenge is where does it go from there? You, that own, as you said, that kind of feeling of shared ownership is the, is the next challenge. Yeah, it's really so,
2: important. Yeah.
1: Can you tell us about Nesta Challenges and the Tech to Connect Challenge that is currently running?
2: Yeah, sure. So Nesta Challenges is a unit within Nesta, and they work with partners all over the world to design and run challenge prizes that help to solve pressing problems that lack solutions. They're basically an open innovation method, so they aim to tap into and engage the broadest possible community of innovators through a public competition, and then there's a clear reward for whoever can either come up with a solution first or can best meet sort of very clearly defined challenges. So, the Tech to Connect Challenge is a partnership with um, the Department for Culture, Media and Sport. It aims to support charities, social enterprises, and social tech ventures across England to tackle social isolation using technology. It's a £1 million prize funded by DCMS, um, which consists of half a million pounds worth of business support from Nesta Challenges and half a million in grant funding and prize money. So what this means in practice is that we did an open co- Open call. Um, When we launched the prize, we got 130 different applications. We've selected 10 finalists, and we're now working with those 10 finalists over the next sort of five to six months to help them develop their ideas. They all got £25,000 in grant funding, and then they get this package of what we call non financial support, which is Lots of different support development ideas, but includes tech capacity building um, to really start prototyping their ideas. Um, after this period, we'll select one winner who will receive £100,000 and two runners-up that will both get £75,000 to develop their ideas.
1: And why did you choose to focus specifically on social isolation?
2: As you know, social isolation is a major public health concern. More than 9 million people in the UK report feeling lonely often or all of the time. Loneliness and social isolation can affect anyone from any walk of life or at any stage in their life. In fact, younger people um, report the highest levels of loneliness, Um, but becoming a parent, losing a loved one, starting out at university or moving to a new area, just some of the factors that can lead to isolation. It can also be the result of a significant illness or long-term health condition or disability. And it's a very common concern for people with a cancer diagnosis or or going through cancer treatment. So it's a partnership with um, the the government's Department for Culture, Media and Sport, DCMS, who have actually done some amazing work over the last few years around social isolation and published a um, strategy last year that's often called the Loneliness Strategy, called A Connected Society which is all about looking at the different ways that government and society more generally can take steps to reduce social isolation. To my
0: knowledge, the, the tech to connect Award is in the stage of um,
2: reviewing the finalists
0: now. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering if you'd be able to maybe give us a little sneak peek as to... Some of those finalists and and what they've been doing.
2: Yeah, sure. So we've picked ten in total, and they're a really fantastic, varied selection of different ideas. So some of them are very targeted for specific groups that have been that are affected by isolation. So groups like, such as people with dementia or autism or younger members of the LGBT community, and others are much broader and sort of aim to make it easier for people to connect locally or find ways to get involved with more face to face events. If I give you a flavour of a couple of examples that that might be relevant. So one of them is Carers Connect, um, which is supported through Marie Curie. It's an online platform which aims to bring carers together virtually so that they can give each other support and find ways to improve their health and wellbeing. Another one is the Chatty Cafe scheme. So Chatty Cafes is all around bringing people together in local cafes. So They encourage um, cafes to designate a table as a chatter and natter table. It was set up by someone who realised that people would sit in cafes quietly on their laptops or or sitting on their own and and saw the opportunity to just have everyday conversations with strangers. And so they're setting up a platform that is... um, going to help make it easier for um, cafes to get involved with the scheme and um, designate more tables for chatting and nattering.
0: <laughs> nice. It's crazy that we live in a world where that's uh, an innovation now, like talking with people that you sit next to. But, yeah. Isn't
2: it? Isn't it? That's incredible.
0: And I was wondering when we can expect to see the challenge winners. Uh, when will they be announced and, and will the event uh, be open to the public?
2: Unfortunately, it's not going to be open to the public. There's going to be a final showcase event in March, but any charities or tech for good investors can register their interest in attending if they go to our website, so tech2connect.challenges.org. We've also already been profiling the 10 finalists in the media since October when we um, selected them. And together with the non-financial support package that I mentioned, we're hoping that that will really help them to improve their capacity to further develop and implement their ideas beyond the line time of the challenge as well. The challenges are funded by the government. What's that working relationship like? Um, well, we've actually worked a lot with government over many years with very with a number of different departments and agencies across lots of different issues and sectors. And we've worked with DCMS um, pretty closely on a number of um, programmes, particularly around social action. So we've we've developed up a really strong relationship with them. It's been really great working with them on the Tech to Connect Challenge because actually Challenge Prizes are set up quite differently from a more traditional innovation grant programme. They, they tend to offer a much lower bar to entry um, because they're explicitly about opening up opportunities um, for more sort of unusual suspects. So literally anyone with a promising idea can get involved. So it's been really great seeing the government embrace this particular challenge we're really keen to see them you know use more challenge prizes as a way of opening up issues and engaging the wider public in coming up with new ideas.
1: What else are Nesta doing to champion tech for good?
2: So I could give you just a flavour of a few examples so another programme we've got with Scottish Government is something called the Healthier Lives Data Fund so we've been supporting uh, six digital technologies that want to make data more available and useful to citizens so that they can lead healthier, more independent lives. So enable them to monitor, manage their own health or improve sort of more shared decision-making with their clinicians. One example, actually, which might be quite relevant is something called Owise, which is an app that is looking to support men with prostate cancer manage their condition so that they can record their medication, their responses, their medication and symptoms and so on, and have a much more informed conversation with their clinicians. We've also got lots of other challenge prizes running. So we're working with the Toyota Mobility Foundation to run the Mobility Unlimited Challenge, which is encouraging the next generation of smart mobility devices, so things like exoskeletons and smart wheelchairs. And we've got the Career Tech Challenge, which is um, looking to open up information about the labour market so that people can sort of navigate their future careers and particularly people whose um, jobs might be most susceptible to automation. So they can look at ways that their skills can be used in in different ways in different type of career.
0: I think that seems really relevant at the moment as well. Um, Tech for Good has been a really big focus for Cancer Research UK in recent years as well. And and some of the examples that we've got, just just to mention them was that in 2016, we launched the life garden. So it was to do with gifts and wills that we had received. And then for those gifts and wills, we were able to give the friends, families, loved ones, a virtual reality experience of a of walking through uh, a garden where the, the, the loved one who gave the gift in the will was kind of commemorated. We've done various other things using more kind of emergent technologies. Like, uh, we have an Alexa skill which is an alcohol tracker that helps you to track your alcohol consumption. That was launched, I think, in 2017. Last year, we did a really cool YouTube live stream of a, a surgery ongoing. So you and it's 360 degrees. So we'll put, we'll put the link for that in the, in the show notes as well. And then one project that um, I actually worked on personally was to develop a trial finder for clinical trials to help link clinicians closer, give them a, a better overview of all the trials they're running in the UK so that they can help to improve patient referral and make sure the patients are getting the full picture of the options that are available to them, um, which potentially wasn't the case prior to that. So that's still in its pilot phase at the minute. And I think the the the, the metrics for that have been really good. So I think that'll be going into phase two uh, very soon. Another one I wanted to mention at this stage as well was that in terms of innovating the process that we follow, um, we do do a lot of, I work in the UX team, and we do do a lot of user research and usability testing on different ideas on different parts of this, of our site and of our offerings. But one change in that more recently was that last year we've started doing more Use a research and usability testing with a lower literacy audience as well. So one of my colleagues, Rich, has, uh, has set up a relationship with the uh, Haringey Adult Learning Centre and also with Change, who are a learning disability charity, to help test some of our new ideas and get feedback from various different audiences. Which is is yeah, is only going to have benefits moving further down the line. So that sounds
2: brilliant. We've um, been doing lots of work with um, people learning disabilities over the last year. So we ran a fantastic. Challenge out in Essex, which was looking at ways of working with young people with learning disabilities and autism to find sort of more meaningful employment opportunities rather than sort of just going to day centres that sort of weren't fulfilling for them, which, which was really fantastic. And actually, we've been supporting a social movement over the last year, which is um, trying to build a national voice, self advocacy voice for people with learning disabilities. So um, it's also just reminded me of one of the other um, finalists in the tech to connect challenge, which is Autism Inclusion, which is also looking to use augmented reality to enable um, people on the autistic spectrum to access different types of settings. Nice. So we
0: always ask guests in our podcasts to give any advice that they can for organisations or charities who are looking to kind of follow in their footsteps. So uh, is there anything that you could say to help people who are looking to do more more innovation or, or looking to do more in the tech for good space?
2: Yeah, and I think the first thing is I'd say is that it's really easy to get carried away with the possibilities of an exciting new technology, but it's really crucial to be led by the problem. That needs to be solved and what people affected by it actually say they want and need. Um, Very often we see um, organisations sort of starting with a solution because they've got excited about using AI or or, or whatever it might be, and it actually seldom works to try and retrofit it to the problem. So that's the first thing. That said though, innovation doesn't always have to mean something completely new. It could be an existing solution that's applied in a new way or to a new problem. But the key is always to understand what the need is, how people want to and are able to interact with technology, and it's always crucial to embed co-production at each and every step along the way. Um there's lots of tools and and you know guides out there and lots of different ways to do innovation. But the Nest has recently published a compendium of innovation methods, and that's a pretty good way to start if you want to get some inspiration on different types of methods. And I think also just to say that you don't have to do everything on your own. So I think we'd encourage people to look for strategic partnerships that can help them deliver their programmes. So whether it's an incubator like Bethnal Green Ventures or an organisation like Nesta, but also lots of other funders and organisations run programmes. So organisations like the Social Tech Fund or the Community Lottery Fund's Digital Fund or Comic Relief and Paul Hamlin, they're all running really good programmes. And actually Good Gym that I mentioned earlier had a really fantastic partnership with Facebook, which really helped them to develop their platform as well. Nice. And
0: are there any resources, maybe books, websites, blogs, or indeed podcasts that you think might be useful for our listeners?
2: Well, I'll um, shamelessly suggest a few things on the Nesta (laughs) website. Um, So there's the competitive methods I just mentioned, which is worth taking a look at. We also quite recently published a new practice guide for challenge prizes. So that would be good for people to look at. We published several years ago something called the DIY Toolkit, which has been translated into loads of different languages and is used all over the world. And it's it's a whole bunch of different templates and tools that can help people start out on their innovation journey. And the Open Book of Social Innovations, is also on our website. They're all free to download.
1: Thank you so much, Christina, for coming on to the podcast today. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before you go?
2: I suppose just a final thought of reflection really is that, I mean, I think there is so much potential to use technology in new ways to connect people and make the world a better place, but I don't think it's ever a substitute for human connection. And you know, we are by our nature human animals and we need real human-loving, fun relationships for our health and our well-being. And technology can help us connect with others so that we can get that, but it's it's not enough on its own.
1: Thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed hearing from Christina. Christina, how can people find out more about the work you're doing?
2: Well, do go to our website, nesta.org.uk, or they can also follow us on our Twitter channel, which is nesta underscore UK, or nesta challenges for more information about our challenge prizes.
1: If you'd like to hear more from the technology team at Cancer Research UK, you can find us on our LinkedIn showcase page. You can also read the technology team blog on Medium. Just look for Cancer Research UK Tech Team blog. You can see what roles are going within the technology team at crukorg slash techjobs. And if you'd like to get in touch with the podcast team directly, you can now send us an email to techteampodcast at cancer.org.uk. We would love to hear from you. Thank you to everyone who gave us positive feedback on the last episode with Andy Punter and Jess Higgins, who came on to talk about flexible working at Cancer Research UK. That episode is still available to download now if you'd like to listen. And if you like the podcast, please share it on your networks, leave us a review and subscribe.